Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our Wednesday night study entitled A Study of Prayer based on the book How to Pray by Ronnie Floyd. Since this is a discussion-based study, we have edited out the comments made by those in attendance due to the fact that they do not have a microphone. May you draw closer to God each day in your prayer life. Lesson number nine, how to pray for one another. If you'd like to take your Bible, get it out with me. We're going to continue a study on the subject of prayer. Uh, And as I have said to you uh, over and over again, that this serves as a good reminder of what prayer means in our life and how it should be a part of our life. Uh, and, and some of the facets of it that we need to know are very important as we think about what prayer is and what prayer can do. Uh, I will tell you that uh, I just finished a study in something that may be an aspect of prayer. This is not tonight's subject matter, but a few weeks down the road, we're going to talk about fasting as a part of prayer. Well, I didn't know I was going to touch a joy nerve tonight, but... So, we, but that, that's, on the, that's on the schedule, and probably for us Baptists, that might be something that be, might be a little bit new to us uh, as we will consider that. So, not only are we reminded of some things, but maybe we'll talk about some things that uh, are relatively new to us as well. But tonight, we're going to talk about something. In fact, this is what we're going to do tonight. Praying for one another. Uh, that's the subject matter for tonight. Praying for one another. Intercessory prayer is uh, the topic. Uh, It is a vital type of prayer for all of us as we think about how we pray for other people. Praying for people, offering petitions to God on behalf of another person who is in need or in trouble, or even, even as with Stan Carpenter, bringing praise to God on behalf of someone else who has had a great victory or a great healing in their life. Intercessory prayer. Uh, So this is prayer focused on other people, and actually, uh, that kind of prayer is not really in line with our human nature. Uh, Our basic human nature is very me-centered, thinking about my needs, what I need, the healings that I need. Uh, Our society we live in is very me-centered. The advertising that you watch on TV or hear on the radio uh, on a regular basis is very me-centered. You need this in order to feel better, do better, look better, or whatever it might be. Advertising is centered on what you and I need. So it's, it's really part of the human life and condition, while intercessory prayer is centered on other people with godly empathy wanting something for someone else, getting yourself out of the picture and raising someone else who has a need that that prayer would be answered for them. It's one of the highest callings of the Christian life to be centered on somebody else. The entirety of the gospel is for us to be centered on other people, to go out as representatives and witnesses of a Savior who loves us, and we want others to know that good news. We don't, we don't meet here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights as a little huddle saying, man, aren't we glad to just be us? But, but rather, we, we here meet as us, but then we take it to others. We take the good news to other people. Do you know, even within the church, we have to be careful that we don't become a me-driven faith. Uh, the American church, you know, so much 
of the church may be programmed that we, we look for the church to meet our needs. We look for the church to teach us and to focus on our desires. Uh, someone once said to me, and I haven't forgotten it, someone once said to me, you know, sometimes the church, people who are looking for a church, shopping for a church, kind of, you can picture it kind of like a buffet. They go into the church and they say, okay, the church can give me this, and the church can give me this, and the church can give me this, and so maybe it's going to be worthy enough that I'll go to that church because of all the things that they offer me. So the American church has faced the danger of being very me-centered. What can I get out of the church? Uh, It can fall into that cultural norm of structuring ministry that we draw people by what we offer them. Now, that is part of our ministry. We are to offer good teaching. We're to offer security for their children. Uh, Certainly, that's part of our ministry. But we also have to develop ministry to understand it's not just all about what I get, but what I'm willing to give, what I'm willing to do, how I'm going to participate as a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not all about me, but rather it's about what I'm willing to give to someone else, what I'm willing to do to extend the love of Christ in this world. So we want to be looking at others. So at the core, the church is teaching people that we're to be looking at the needs of other people. Uh, You know, I thought as I was thinking uh, uh, thinking about that aspect of the church, that old hair dye commercial, uh, that says, I buy this product, uh, this product because I'm worth it. It's a very me-centered thing. The church teachers know we're supposed to be teaching others are worth it. Others need the gospel. And that's a primary part of our ministry is to look out to see others and their needs. And, of course, a vital part of our prayer ministry is to look out for others. So we want to be intercessors. We want to be prepared always to pray for someone else and for their need. Uh, We want to pray for God's favor upon others. We want to pray for God's favor upon His church, this church and other churches that are serving Him. Uh, And I think really the more maturity that we gain in our faith, the more that we're concerned for the salvation and the well-being of other people. Uh, we, 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 we get in tune with looking to see where the needs are so that we can help. So we actually pray away from ourselves and toward other people who have needs to be met. Uh, we're concerned for them. Uh, there is a poem. In fact, I brought a, little, I brought a copy of it, but just a couple uh, verses of it. This poem is called Others. Maybe you've heard it, but it says this in the first couple of verses. Lord, Help me to live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to be ever sincere and true and know that all I'll do for you must needs be done for others. So a centerpiece of our ministry and our Christian commitment to the Lord is that we're going to be looking to the needs of others. So tonight, we're going to look at that question, how do I become an effective intercessory prayer? How do I pray for other people? Shirley? Well, I, I think that's, that's a first for me. Uh, so I hope you took a note. I took a note. Uh, 
each finger representing an area of prayer, reserving the little one for yourself. That's pretty good. Good teaching to those children. Maybe I'll sit in on a couple of those classes. Two insights about intercessory prayer. Uh, First of all, when you pray for someone, the Lord calls us to pray for them specifically. Pray specifically for their need. We can't just say, Lord, help this person. But rather, the Lord would ask us to pray for the specific need of that person, bring the needs to be addressed in that person's life, be it salvation. And that's a huge prayer need. Don't leave out those people in your family and those who are closest to you and those you love to ask God to speak to them to come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But, of course, remember this. When you pray that prayer, God might say, yeah, I will send someone to speak to them. Not Pastor Clyde, but you. Be ready to, to be the answer to that prayer. If you pray it, pray it boldly. Because God could very well use you in the answer to that prayer that you pray for the salvation of someone else. Pray for particular needs. Pray for that surgery. Pray for that healing. Whatever need comes before the Lord. Uh, do you remember, I, I, this is one of the most interesting uh, conversations that Jesus has uh, as I consider it. I'd like for you, if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Gospel of Mark chapter 10. And we're going to look at, go to verse 46. Mark 10, 46. Let me just read a few of these verses as you follow along with me. And they came to Jericho. As he he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, it is so interesting to me. Of course, a blind person is obviously blind. Uh, a, A blind person in this day and in this age could not work to do anything productive, and so they basically lived a life of begging. So here comes Jesus leaving the city of Jericho, and blind Bartimaeus calls to him, Have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. And he raises his voice to get his attention. And even when others were saying, You need to just hush up and be quiet, he continues on to call for the Lord. But the most interesting thing to me is this man who comes to Jesus, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? It is so obvious what this man wants Jesus to do for him. Why does Jesus ask him to voice what he needs done? Now, that's a question for the group. Why does Jesus ask him a very obvious question? Jesus, of course, knows everything, and certainly even as a, on a human level, 
this blind man stands before him and says, Lord, have mercy on me. Why did Jesus ask him to voice his need? Be specific. Because there's, there's a statement of belief that, that he could be healed. Faith. He wanted him to participate. So healing is the action of Jesus, but it's at the request of the one who needs to be healed. Or the intercessor who asks for healing on behalf of someone else. Any other answer that you would like to offer to that? Okay, for, for the others. There were others there, certainly. So this was a teaching moment for Jesus as well. And for us as well. Clyde? Okay. So the man voiced what he needed when he was healed. Then the, the crowd around knew that that was exactly what Jesus did. It, it wasn't, there wasn't anything hidden about it or un, uh, uh, misunderstood about it. Amy? So, great point. You probably didn't hear all of that. I'm not sure I heard every word of it, but I got it. Uh, and that is that there's a relationship established there. Jesus says, I, you have my attention. I'm listening. What do you need? Voice your need to me. Uh, so, while this was a very obvious situation... The, that, that's a good lesson for all of us, that the Lord's ear is inclined to us, as it tells us in the Old Testament, uh, and that he is constantly listening, that he never sleeps, that he's always, I want to say he's on call, but he's not like a holy bellhop that just runs. I mean, he's always listening, wanting to take care of our needs, but he wants the relationship. He wants the conversation. Uh, he, he wants to hear our needs. So, good point. That's just one of those, it's those interesting moments when this blind man stands before him and Jesus says, what do you need? Well, you know what he needs, but he had to ask. When we specifically ask for a particular touch or healing from God, it is indeed a request of faith. When we ask, we believe that God has the power to, to accomplish that healing in his way, in his time, and by his wisdom. It is an act of faith to ask God for a blessing. So insight number one is where I started. The, the intercessor has to be specific in the prayer. I'm still on that first insight. Here's insight number two. The intercessor in prayer must pray biblically. Pray according to the Word of God. Pray the Word of God upon the life of that person you're praying for. Ask God to give you a verse that will inform that situation or inform that healing, something that you know is a statement of the Word of God. Let me just give you a couple of examples of that. Uh, if you're praying for a person who is going through an upcoming surgery, uh, pray, of course, in faith that God will heal that person through that surgery, uh, but also pray for a, a spiritual touch in that moment. Uh, I go back to... Uh, John chapter 9, another healing of a blind man, a man who was blind from birth. And the result was indeed his, his healing, but also another result of his physical healing of his eyesight was he came to Jesus as his Savior. So apply that principle, Lord, as I pray, especially for someone who is not saved and they're going through an earthly uh, uh, surgery or something that's hard on them like that, to say, Lord, I'm asking you physically to, to heal them, but also in the process of this healing, speak to their spirit. Speak to their soul. The blind man was healed of his eyesight, 
but he also was given salvation in that process. I prayed that prayer for this, my friend. Another example, a relationship issue, maybe between brothers and sisters in church. And uh, this is the, the uh, scripture in Matthew chapter 5 where, you, where Jesus says you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember you have something, a brother has something against you. Go and straighten that out, get it right, and then bring your gift back to the altar. Make sure that everything is right as you approach the Lord. Uh, so so as, as you think about a relationship problem, the, 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 as you pray for that person, in order for them to have a relationship that grows with the Lord, they have to have a relationship that is healed between one another. How true that is in the church. We, we have to, when our relationships in the church break down, they have to be healed so the church can move forward in ministry. Uh, that, that's, that's an unhealthy moment in the life of the church. And, and you know, those moments, we're a family. And we know that our own personal families, we have our ups and our downs. So does the church. But we need to, to have that mindset that we're going to be healed, that we're going to be right with one another, that we're going to be brothers and sisters. And if a fence needs mending, we're going to take care of that so that the Lord can move on in, in using us in ministry. Bring your gift to the altar, but you realize there's something that needs to be fixed, and then come back with your gift. Uh, that's a principle I think we need to rely on. If you're, pre- if you're praying for a husband and wife issue, rely on Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, so there are so many examples that we can think about as to ways uh, that Scripture can apply to a prayer concern. Uh, before we pray together, I want us to look at one passage from Paul that he describes a prayer. Uh, and so uh, if you will, turn with me to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 9 through the first part of 12. Colossians 1, go to verse 9. Here's what Paul voices, and this is really voicing a prayer. Uh, He says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. And here's the essence of the prayer. To desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father. That's the essence of a prayer that Paul is praying within this church of Colossae. Uh, and and as, we, as we look at that prayer, it illustrates three biblical ways that we pray for people. Uh, The first is this, Uh, pray for the person uh, that you're praying for to be filled with God's will. Ask God to fill that person with his will, verse 9. If you want to hear it again, uh, it says that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh, Now, when we have a, a knowledge of God's will and we have a knowledge of God's understanding, uh, Paul then says uh, that person can move on in following the path of God for their life. Uh, why do we need to pray for God's will? Well, there's a, there was something afloat in the church that was a problem in that day. It was called Gnosticism, a teaching that pretty much was humanistic, saying we can develop a mind that is kin to the mind of God. We can know godly things without consulting God. We can be that wise. 
And Paul is battling against that, saying, no, God has a wisdom and a will that only he knows that he will share with you, but you'll never know it on your own. And so as we pray for people, we need to pray that God will speak to them and lead them in his will for their lives. Uh, Also, in the second biblical way, we pray for others. We pray for them to walk in God's way, to walk worthy of the Lord. Uh, Colossians 1.10, Paul says, walk worthy of the Lord. Pray for the person to walk obediently with the Lord. Whatever situation they're going through, however and whyever you're praying for them, pray for them to draw closer in their walk with Him. Thirdly, we pray for others to be strengthened with God's power. Uh, Again, that that is in verse 11. Uh, There are several results that come when someone is filled with the power of God. First of all, they, they, they develop patience. They develop patience, waiting on God's timing in answer to that prayer. Uh, Praying God's power brings joyfulness. It brings uh, a sense of God's presence. Uh, I don't know about you, but patience is not my strong point. Uh, Sometimes I say, God, give me patience and do it now. (laughs) But we have to pray for God's patience. Long-suffering. Knowing that his will is going to be accomplished, but we give him the timing that he can accomplish that in us. Uh, So as we pray, we're praying for others uh, to be touched by the Lord, touched by his will, touched by his obedience, uh, touched that they will walk more closely with him. So whatever your prayer is about them, however you're praying in an intercessory way for them, you're asking for the healing of that particular need, but you're looking beyond that need saying, God, and touch their heart that they might lead lead a life that's more closely following you. That's praying for others, helping others in their following of the Lord. Maybe tonight there's somebody on your heart, and I imagine I'm going to say this and it will, it will touch something in the majority of us. There's somebody on your heart tonight, and you need to pray for him or her. Maybe it's salvation, maybe it's healing, maybe it's a relationship thing you know about. There's someone in your life tonight Specifically, you need to pray for. Let's take just a few minutes of silence. Pray for that one person. I I want you to pray for one person right now. One person. Just take a few minutes, a couple minutes. Pray for that one. I'll start us out in prayer. Uh, We will have a few minutes in between before Pastor Clyde closes us. So, Pastor Clyde, you jump in at the right moment. But in those moments of silence, if you'd like to offer another prayer for us to hear, do that. But let's take a silent moment. And you pray for that one, that one person, an intercessory prayer tonight. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you will join us on our next podcast.